Today, I'm excited to be chatting with Bethany Dearborn. Bethany will share about soul care for wounded healers. But first, today's podcast is brought to you by FastTranscripts.com. Now, as a homeschooling mom for 25 years, one of the things I was most worried about was transcripts. After all, I knew my kids needed them for college. Yikes! For many homeschoolers, creating a high school transcript can be a daunting task. Fast Transcripts makes the entire process easy. Just go to their website, enter a few details, and you're done. Their software catches 700 common mistakes and practically does the work for you. You can also e-file your transcript directly to any college or university. Go to FastTranscripts.com for a free trial and see why 20,000 homeschool moms love and trust Fast Transcripts. I also want to thank Pray Every Day for also being a sponsor. This is an amazing podcast from my friend, Mary DeMuth. Mary walks listeners through the Bible verse by verse. I can't tell you the number of times Mary's prayers have been exactly what I needed for that day. Praying for others has been one of Mary's greatest joys, and you can tell. You can find Pray Every Day on iTunes, Google Podcasts, your Alexa device, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Now, let's dive into this chat with Bethany Dearborn. You're listening to Walk It Out with Trisha Goyer, where we discover what it looks like to follow God and be swept away on the journey of a lifetime. Author of over 70 books, Mom of 10, Yes, 10, homeschooler and speaker, Trisha Goyer will explore what radical obedience to God's word looks like. It's time to hear from God lovers who've dared to say yes. Listen in to heart to heart chats and learn how others overcame doubts and fears. Discover how God used ordinary people to impact others one step at a time. If you're ready to get radical, get going and make a difference in this world, you're at the right place. Here's your host, prolific writer, world traveler, people lover, and mega nap taker, Trisha Goyer. Well, friends, Walk It Out is all about reading what God's Word says and getting up and doing it what He asks. But it comes to the point sometimes when we get overwhelmed. There are too many hurting people. There are too many needs. And even as we continue to walk, we can get burned out, wore out, exhausted. And I'm going to be talking about all this today. My guest wrote a wonderful book that I'm really enjoying called From Burned Out to Beloved. And let me tell you a little bit about her. Bethany Dearborn Heiser is the Director of Soul Care for Northwest Family Life, a network of therapists trained to work with survivors of domestic violence and sexual trauma. As a bilingual social worker, chaplain, and pastoral advocate, Heiser has worked in a variety of ministry and social service settings with people affected by addiction, sexual exploitation, incarceration, and immigration. She and her husband, Kenny, live in Seattle with their two children. So welcome, Bethany. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I was so excited. Actually, I hunted down uh, your publicist because I wanted to talk to you because so much of what this book is about is something I've experienced myself. Um, I helped start a crisis pregnancy center. I helped start teen mom support groups. My husband and I have adopted seven kids. 
six from foster care. And I think it stems from just my past mistakes. I had an abortion when I was a teenager. It's like, I'm going to prove to God I can be a good person and do all these things for him. And then it the point of burnout. And so I'm so thankful that you wrote this book. But first, I would just love for you to share a little bit about your story. Sure. Well, thank you for sharing a bit of, of yours. Yeah, this is unfortunately all too common a reality, right? Um, so I, a bit of my story is, um, you know, I didn't think that I needed self-care or um, thought it was something that was just um, kind of peripheral to life or just something mm-hmm. that was extra and um, it was too much and I felt guilty taking time for myself. Um, and, you know, the way that society talks about self-care now is often things that we do for ourselves. And so I just, in the face of so much suffering, it felt like I didn't need it or deserve it. So there's lots of internal narratives that I had. Um And then I started realizing how greatly impacted I was by the stories I was hearing. So at the time, I was working at a domestic violence shelter and also um, at a ministry that works with people who are affected by incarceration and immigration and also those who are in recovery from substances. And I was hearing lots of stories. (laughs) And I was coming to become friends with people who were facing such challenging realities. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was such a gift to hear their stories and to know these people um, and to be welcomed into their, their lives. And, and it was also so grievous for me. And I think not just the, the stories, but also realizing my own uh, unhealth <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that drove me to burnout. Um, and so I, I had learned this the material, this book, I sometimes say through the fire of my own burnout. Um, it's not been an easy journey and yet I'm so grateful for all that I've learned. Absolutely. And I think, you know, when we, um, you know, have compassion, which God tells us to have compassion and help others and remember the least of these and, you know, all of a sudden, when we step into those lives and when people share their stories, I remember when I moved to Little Rock, Arkansas, 11 years ago now, and uh, working with teen moms who I saw the houses they lived in. Um, I saw the way, you know, 13 years old and pregnant and, um, you know, their moms would come and have food when we served the the teenagers because they didn't have food at home and, you know, being at the hospital and visiting these girls and going to their homes. And it's like, once you step into their world, you think, okay, I got to help. I got to do more. Mm -hmm. Um, How can I even like be selfish to be home with my family with all this food? Mm -hmm. It's like, you want to give compassion, but it does come to the point where you're giving so much that almost you lose yourself in the process. And you, you know, the, the connection with God is even harder because we're just so drained in every area of our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, mean, I think the exactly there's there's a sense that there's always more to do, and in some ways there is. And so how do you, how to hold that? How to to navigate that? And how to say, okay, right now I'm going to stop. You know, God's invitation to Sabbath rest into <laughs> um, margins in our lives. How do we? How do I create those and make it sustainable for me? And to say, you know, I. I need to have rest in order for my own self and also so that I can be more present to those that I'm working with. 
Mm-hmm. So what was that point for you when you realized, okay, this is something that I haven't thought about and something I really need for myself, this soul rest? Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. I think there's two, sig- well, maybe more than that, <laughs> three or four significant points um, of in my journey. One was b- taking a class on secondary trauma that really connected some dots for me about you know, normalizing what I was experiencing and saying, oh, this, what, the guilt, the sense that I can never do enough, uh, the, the feeling of being overwhelmed, the emotional exhaustion, that's partly because of secondary trauma. It's not just that I'm, it's okay to feel like I'm burdened and I, it's, mm. it's, it's normal um, to be affected. You know, I think I thought it was weak to be affected, that I should just be capable. And um, so that was a key in my journey. And then another one was learning about codependency in, in the workplace. I mean, really I was learning about codependency, um, in general and through a relapse prevention program that we were learning about to, to walk with people, um, as a tool. And yet we had to go through it ourselves. And that really exposed to me my own needs (laughs) and the way that I was seeking to meet those in, um, and in unhealthy ways, you know, just the, the thinking that I, um, I didn't have needs and I needed to just shove my own needs um, and just keep working and working and working. Um, And it was at a detriment to myself, as I mentioned earlier, um, as well as those who I was working with. So those two learning components, but then I was also my own emotional kind of changes, I guess, of um, just coming to a point of utter exhaustion and uh, needing to take an emergency week off that really brought me to the end of my um, self in some ways and realized I'm not doing okay and I need help. Yeah. And I think that is, um, I mean, we like to feel capable and we like to feel like we're the ones helping and we're the ones making a difference. And then I think, I know I've been there so many times coming to the point where like, I cannot help because like me, I had seven children in my home, you know, six of them who had faced trauma, who'd been in foster care. And I'm like, I would just escape to my bed for like hours. I'm like, honey, you have to deal with it. I can't even deal with it right now, but it's a hard place being weak. So I know there's a lot of listeners that are maybe feeling like they're at that point. Like I am at the end of myself, I'm giving, I'm serving. And maybe it's not even, you know, dealing with people um, who have faced trauma or dealing with people who face an addiction. Maybe it is dealing with your family who is overwhelmed being in a pandemic and the whole, I mean, so much of life is different now. If someone Mm -hmm. feels like they're at that place of burnout, I would just love for you to share some, some ways that you can encourage them to focus on um, self-care. Yeah. Well, first I just want to thank you for acknowledging that. I mean, I think sometimes I used to think of secondary trauma as because it was impacting me largely through my work and relationships through work. And yet really this year, especially is exposed to me and for many people secondary trauma and the toll of of it is not just something they experience in work you know mm-hmm. people of color experience it day in day out um through exposure and through just navigating life um as well as yeah like you said people in their home just community that it's not only in workplace environments um and so the the challenge the in terms of ways of navigating that i mean i think one one thing I would say is um, as much as possible to ha- to create a space for reflection. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. That if 
you know, even if it's in your own home, like you said, you would go to go lie down in your bed. <laughs> Just if there's any margin that is possible um, to slow down and to rest and to be aware of how am I doing right now? You know, what is going on in me? What am I feeling? And um, and taking that to God, you know, creating space to connect with ourselves, to connect with God, and to connect with others in mutually life-giving ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether that's having your own support through spiritual direction or therapy or meeting with a pastor or a mentor, um, that often, especially those of us who are in helping professions or, you know, working alongside others, um, we're so used to being the helper and not receiving help. And we really need to put ourselves in, in places of receiving as well. Yeah. And I think when you talk about that, I think um, it's easy to see the needs of others. (laughs) It's harder Mm -hmm. to see the needs of ourselves. And I remember, I mean, we added seven children in five years, different sibling groups and stuff. And um, I just remember like trying to keep up the pace that I had the clean house before the meals and um, just feeling like as I prayed and cried out to God, just in weariness, feeling like his compassion, like it's okay. Like, you, know, you don't have to be caught up on laundry or, um, and just understanding like we are worthy of rest and we are worthy of, you know, um, a connection with God. We are worthy of being able to step back and say, I just need some quiet night time. I need a conversation with a friend. I need to sit down with my Bible. I've, I've told my kids often, like, give me 10 minutes even to go in the middle of my day and just be with Jesus. Like, I just need to read a couple of scriptures and, and pray and get myself centered. And we are worthy of that. I think so many times we see the needs of others, but we often forget our own needs. Yeah, I think that was that was definitely uh, a key in my journey as well. Is just recognizing that I'm beloved not for what I do, but just because I am. God loves me for who I am, and that shifts the conversation. That self care is not selfish, but taking a deeper soul care is recognizing that I have worth and value, and I need to address my own. Um, inner beliefs and I need to have space like you just said to connect with God um, because I'm because I'm loved and because I'm also wounded I mean that's the subtitle of my of my book is soul care for wounded healers recognizing mm-hmm. that we all have wounds and we we need to take care of ourselves um, because we're loved and also so we show up differently and I, I feel you I can't even I have two little kids and um, I also sometimes say like, if I can get five minutes, if I can get 10 minutes. um, So I can't, I can't imagine seven um, and, and the laundry and the dishes and the, just keeping up with the pace of life um, and just letting, you know, even last night, actually, my husband came home early and he was with the girls and I, uh, I, there's laundry, there's dishes. And I, I thought, you know, I've, he's had been gone. He's a medical student. So he's working a lot right now. And, um, I just lay down on the floor because <laughs> my back was hurting and I just had 10 minutes of silence and that's what I needed. And I thought I'm going to be able to be more present and just, I need this right now. And that's really, that's a new learning for me. 
Yeah. And I think, you know, people think of kind of sometimes use the words like self-care and soul care the same. And I think when they think like a self-care, it's like, I'm going to go get a pedicure or I'm going to go shopping. And it's like, Mm -hmm. no. So like talk a little bit about um, just the difference, because I think so many people are confused. Like I'm, I'm not going to go get a pedicure, but they do need to care for their souls. Yeah. And that's, you know, you see it on social media is I'm in need of some good self-care right now. Where can I get a massage? And so that's what I thought I didn't, that's not going to help me. Yeah. Um, I mean, it does not to say massages aren't great, but not, it wasn't the deeper soul care that I needed. Um, so I would say, yeah, soul care is, is holistic. It's not just spiritual either. Um, that when I go for a run for me, it, um, benefits me physically, obviously, but it also benefits me spiritually because that's, it's a way that I can connect with God emotionally even relationally, that I return home more grounded and present to those, to my kids and to my husband. And um, and so the, the difference of sometimes, I don't know if you've done these, but um, there's sometimes I've been at different workshops where you do a self-care kind of pie chart, and maybe some listeners have done this, where you kind of divide your life up into physical, emotional, mental um spiritual and you try to say how am I doing in these different areas of my life uh, and you know that might be helpful for some people to evaluate their life in that way um, but for me it's really it's really integrated and it's that it, to just I felt more guilty after doing those and thinking, right. oh I'm just not doing enough dang it you know like this I just need to do more things that I'm and I'm failing at it again um, so I needed to dig into the to the the beliefs that were impacting my ability to move forward and to take care of myself. And that's what, for me, deeper soul care is about. Yeah. Talk about some of those beliefs, because I know you talk about, you know, the, the shame and the, the feelings of unworthiness. And I think sometimes we don't relate that. Like we just think it's just about being too busy. But often it is those inner things that are kind of motivating how we act outwardly. For sure. Yeah. I mean, if I have an inability to say no to people, um, if I because I fear disappointing people, um, or I fear what people think, then that's propelling me in um, in my busyness. And it's it's not just you know sometimes we say I don't have enough time. Yes, that that's a reality, and yet it's also how we use time, how we what we do in our time. Um, and actually, maybe there's some some ways that we need to we can't can say no. Um, and we're saying yes out of unhealth instead of out of a true grounded place. Um, and so when I'm more grounded, then I'm better able to, to say, Oh, this is something that I, um, actually I'm going to say maybe right now, I'm going to give myself permission to think about it. Um, and to call the person back and to answer that request later. Um, instead of, I used to just say yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Um, or sometimes on the opposite, when we were burning out we say no 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 all the time you know it's it's can be we can go back and forth between them because it's too hard it takes too much energy to think critically about those responses um so i think the you know that those inner beliefs of it's all up to me or um if i if i don't no one will um or false peace is better than no peace so i'm just going to maintain the peace i'm not going to um or kind of a sense of peace that's not really true instead of bringing up something that I need to bring up or asking for what I need. 
Yeah. And, and I think once we um, take the time to really think about, okay, should I do this? Or like, what is my motivation? It really, I think, can reveal a lot about us. Like my, motiva- my motivation may be everyone sees me as dependable. What if I say no, mm-hmm. they won't see me as dependable or mm-hmm. any of the things. And I've had so many great conversations with my husband because he's, he's just like, you are running like crazy like why did you say yes and because I'm like because everyone else you know needs help and I mean who would help if I did like all these things that you (laughs) mentioned and coming to the place where we don't have to be the answer to everyone's problem Um, and it's okay to say no or this is not a good time for me or you know I the thing I usually say now is let me talk to my husband about it and then I know he'll usually say well if you're going to do that then what are you going to cut out (laughs) you know so Mm -hmm. he's kind of like a good backup for me but um, I love that like waiting and not giving like if someone asks something of you um, giving your space self space to think about it really is helpful instead of feeling like at this moment you need to give the person an answer. And I think this is even true with kids. My kids are older. They'll want to do something or, and I just don't have the time to like think through it. And I'll say, let me think about that. I'll get back to you later. And we, it's okay. Like we don't have to give someone an answer to something right? Yeah. at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I even I heard a story about Parker, Parker Palmer, who's an author and um, I think spiritual director. And he, he was, people were asking to meet with him and, um, and maybe it was at a conference or something. And he said, you know, I, I, I couldn't bring my best self. If I met with you today, I would like to meet with you tomorrow. Um, and even, and that was just such a helpful, you know, I don't know all the nuances of that, that full story, but, um, an honoring way of saying, I want to, I'm saying no so that I can say yes to you, mm-hmm. um, that I want to be more present with you. And so I'm just recognizing my own needs right now that I'm not going to be fully um, present. And so you, you deserve more, you know, that's, so it's, it's really honoring of the other person as well. Um, when we think, when we give ourselves that space and that margin to say, to reflect and to say, um, you know, this maybe or not yet, or let me think about it. Yeah. And I think a lot of times too, um, when people are asking, it's because, um, like they, they're, they're trying to find the easy way. <laughs> they're trying mm-hmm. to find someone mm-hmm. to take off the pressure or someone mm-hmm. to help them. I'm thinking of this, um, as a writer, I've written lots of books and all the time I'll have someone say, Hey, I have this book idea. Can you help me with it? Or my, my friend wrote this book or I'm thinking about publishing and like they want me to give them the easy steps um, mm-hmm. you know, which I'm fully capable of doing because I've, I've done that before and um, I was working with a life coach because I, I was like well I, you know it only takes me you know 15 minutes to write back this email or a phone call and she's like but you're doing this or you want to do this like you know multiple times a week and I came up with um, I have now an online private group, a subscription group, and it's uh, $29 a month and they get they're in the group with me and other professionals all their questions get answered within the group because everyone's helping everyone there's you know I do videos but I do it in one place you know at a chosen time but it's interesting because um, I would say 90% of the people when they reach out to me for help and I tell them about the group which it's $29 like that's you know a, a fast food lunch with your family, um, 90% of them don't step in and do it. And I think, you know, I was giving myself to people who, if they're not going to make the commitment to be part of the group and to invest a little bit of money, um, you know, it was it the best use of my time anyway. So it just made me realize like I can find ways to help people. I can find ways to serve people, 
But there are going to be people that are just going to maybe want the help. And then next week, they're going to want more help. <laughs> and the next week, and right. it's really not helping if you're providing without giving them reason to you know step up and, and consider themselves and what they can do also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I think what you mentioned in terms of our motivations, um, and even when we talked about compassion earlier, is often we are motivated by compassion and, you know, someone's someone has a legitimate need. And so um, our heart is pulled (laughs) and we care. And those are all good, normal things. And yet to acknowledge that our motivations might be mixed as well. Mm -hmm. um, And that's okay too. That's normal. (laughs) But just recognizing that, um, am I swayed right now by my need for approval um, or my need to help people or my need to feel better about the situation? Am I helping them so I feel better? You know, that's the codependency piece um or am i helping them out of a out of a true grounded place again uh, and so i think for me that's been a, a game changer is recognizing that we have mixed motivations and i i really need to not acknowledge um what i'm being driven by in this moment um and again if i don't if i don't have space for that reflection then <laughs> then i'm just i'm moving on autopilot instead of um, with any, any sense of discernment. <laughs> yeah. What I love you talk about too, in the book is, um, an emotional awareness. And, you know, when we brought our kids home, um, the older ones, when we went to the trauma therapist and the first thing they did is teach them emotional awareness. So she'd show a picture of a face and they'd say, what is this person feeling? And you know, it's obvious the person's angry and to see like an 11 year old say, I don't know. I'm like, what do you mean? You totally see from that face, the person's angry, but they weren't taught emotional awareness. They weren't taught to understand their whole emotions. And that was such like a foundation. I'm like, why are we sitting here looking at cartoon characters' faces? But that is such an important thing. Um, And I think often we don't stop and, I guess, look at ourselves in the mirror or even consider our emotional awareness and know what is really going on. Like you talk about that motivation and what's going on in our hearts and are we feeling unsettled? So let me do this thing to help me feel better about myself or... Um, and you talk about it with welcoming prayer and how we can do that. So I would love for you to, because I think this is so, so helpful for us. Yeah. I mean, emotional awareness is definitely something that is being talked about in a variety of fields. Um, and yet I, I too found it, you know, help um, that I needed, you know, there's only so much I can do right. <laughs> in my own emotional awareness. Um, and so when I came across welcoming prayer, um, and it's a form of, it's a practice that is developed by contemplative outreach, um, and which also d- uh, developed centering prayer. Um, Thomas Keating, Father Thomas Keating, who since passed, but he was the one who kind of developed centering prayer. Um, and they're, they're both, so centering prayer is something that we stop and are present to God, you know, be still and know that we're God and we choose a sacred word and we come back to that um, as a way of connecting with God in, in stillness. Welcoming prayer is something that you practice as you go. And when you notice an emotion, when you notice your something, yourself feeling something, it's allowing yourself to experience what you're feeling and to say, oh, I'm, look at me, I'm feeling really upset right now. And um, to let yourself feel it. 
And then it's saying, God, come and be with me in this feeling, Mm -hmm. welcoming God with me in it. Um, It's not welcoming the anxiety to take over me. It's welcoming God to be with me in the anxiety. And then it's saying, okay, I let go of this, of my need for security, affection, and control. Those are the kind of the primary needs that um, contemplative outreach has distilled in a way. Uh, They used to say power and control, security um, and safety, and then affection and esteem. So those six, but also can be kind of even more distilled into security, affection, and control. And that is just so powerful to me is and it's not saying those needs aren't important um but it's saying i give the for me i i give those to you god Mm -hmm. i let go of them i say that i those are normal needs that i have and yet i i trust you with them um and so and then i embrace this moment as it is so it's giving ourselves permit permission to feel what we're feeling inviting god in it with us um and then letting go of those needs and entrusting them to God. Um, and, you know, I, I, I've heard people say that they can practice it, you know, even in the blink of an eye. Um, so it's, and I'm, I'm wanting to get there. <laughs> I, I'm trying to practice it. And um, in, in the moment, often more for me now, it's at the end of the day when I look back and I think, oh, yeah, I was feeling really um, stressed out right then. And I didn't respond how I wanted to. Um, and I'm, I'm wanting to practice it more and more so that in that moment, um, when I'm frustrated, when I'm stressed out, when I'm, whatever it is that's going on for me, that I, it's, that emotion actually connects me to God. Um, and, and I can experience God's presence with me even then. Yeah. And it's so, um, I mean, once you start like becoming aware of your emotion and then understanding like, okay, this is how I'm feeling now. And then welcoming God to be in that emotion with you. And then, you know, when I welcome him in, like he helps me with my emotion. Like I don't have to deal with this alone. So I can be like, I am really frustrated right now because that child's being really disrespectful. And then, you know, God, like, and you know, it it is, it does take a process. Like it's not something that you just like immediately will turn to God, but then you think like, oh, wow, I know, you know, God, you get frustrated (laughs) with the people and their choices. And like Jesus showed like, um, you know, with the Pharisees, he would get frustrated. So I know you understand frustration, but in this moment, like give me your peace. And once you get used to like, un- like kind of catching your emotion and welcoming God in, um, it just becomes so helpful. And there'll be times um, that I'll say, you know what, I will, and I'll even talk to my kids about it. Like, I'm actually frustrated because I thought I was going to finish my book last night and I still have work to do. Or, you know, what, whatever it is, let them know and say, but you know what, I shouldn't be this way to you. And can, you know, let's, let's talk about it or, um, you know, just give me five minutes to calm down or just letting our kids see us like deal with these things and, and pray about it and welcome God in. And then I've noticed that we can even help them with that. You know, with older kids, I could see that they're upset maybe at their sibling and I'll say, well, actually, I think you're still feeling bad because of what the neighbor said to you last night or, you know, and just talking with them about those things. You don't pray about it. Um, you know, I mean, 90% of the time they'll be like, yes. And some, you know, sometimes they won't get over the emotions right away, but they'll like appreciate if I just pray about pray with, you know, them or pray over them in that situation. And then later they might come back and want to talk about it more. But I think just that first step of being aware and then knowing that even in the middle of the emotion that you could welcome God in and that you could turn to him is huge. 
Yeah, I mean, I think, um, yeah, exactly. The uh, giving ourselves permission to feel. So often, we when we do notice we're feeling something, we want to shove it or or numb it or do something else with it, and because um, it feels uncomfortable, right? And I, to be honest, I. I want to quickly move to letting go. I don't want to feel it. I want to just say, okay, letting go. Let, I want to get get rid of this thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this doesn't feel good. Um, God, be with me in it, and I let it go. And I've, I feel like God's been working with me to say, Bethany, let yourself feel it, and mm-hmm. I can meet with you in it. It's okay. I'm not scared of it. I'm not scared of you. You're feeling right now, um, and and then letting go of my need, but also just letting myself experience it and moving it through it um, instead of jumping to, okay, be gone. <laughs> I don't like this. Um, and so again, like you said, trusting that God, God isn't afraid of our emotions and isn't, we're not too much for God in whatever we're feeling. And, um, and so to, to connect with God in that and experience God's peace it, with us in it um, is, is such a powerful movement and experience. Yeah. And I think of David in the Bible, um, you know, when it talks about like, uh, he's a man for God's own heart and all these things. I like read the Bible stories of David. And I'm like, dude, he had so many problems. Like, <laughs> how could this guy be called a, a man mm-hmm. after God's own heart when he just messed up so many times? And, um, mm-hmm. and then realizing that like, even when you read his songs, which are the Psalms, and he was like mad at God, or why did you do this to me or all this stuff? And then he like is still going to God, like mm-hmm. even though he's angry or overwhelmed or for sure the enemy's going to sl- you know, slay him or whatever, he's still turning to God. And I'm like, okay, I can see a man after God's own heart, every emotion David was taking to God, the good ones about it. But usually he'd come around like, okay, but I know you are my you know fortress and he'll come around, but he was okay. Like expressing those emotions. Right. And God, God created us right as, as emotional people yeah. um, and gave us these emotions and, and Jesus too, like you said, demonstrates that, you know, his frustration, his anger, um, his sadness, his grief. Mm-hmm. And so to, to connect with Jesus in, in his own grief and his own frustration and to, to know that he can connect us with connect in our emotion as well. Um, is 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 a movement, you know, towards towards health. I would say, and of is even a practice of soul care. Yeah, and he would go away to pray. Like he would go yeah. away from the crowds. He would get away and pray. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to wrap it up with one last thing because I think you know we're talking about don't do this, don't do that. <laughs> like mm-hmm. make sure you give space and time. I, I want to talk about you talk about near the end of the book the need for delight, play, and laughter. And I think mm-hmm. this is so important. So um, I think you know there's all these things that we could stop doing, but mm-hmm. talk about just the importance of adding delight and laughter and play into our lives. Yeah, that was a uh, reframing for me um, as I was coming out of burnout. Um, I mean, one is kind of ironic is that I, I signed up for a improv class. I talk about this in the book, but um, you know, pretty soon after I quit my job at domestic at the domestic violence shelter, and I'd been leading a a, a domestic violence support group on Tuesday nights, and the improv class happened to be the exact same time frame, which was kind of funny. Um, 
that I'd been leading that group. And I, you know, I, I don't think of myself as an actor. I wasn't that I wanted to perform improv at all. Um, but it was more this applied improvisation where we just got to, you play these certain games with each other and, um, where you practice saying yes, responding to somebody's um, prompts and and in these creative, imaginative ways, giving ourselves permission to be, to imagine and to be creative. Um, and so that was just a, a, an interesting experience for me and helped me recognize how, how uncomfortable, how unfamiliar I was um, with just giving myself that kind of permission. And... And then as I've journeyed, continued to journey in recovery and healing, I, you know, I read this book Sabbath by Dan Allender, and he talks a lot about delight, Sabbath as delight. Mm-hmm. Um, not only are we, God, are we God's delight, but that in Sabbath, we get to experience that delight. Um, and it's not a day just for rules and for, yeah, like we were just saying, say no, um, but what causes us to delight? Um, and so, you know, now with my, I have two little girls and, you know, rest is different on Sabbath. Yeah. <laughs> um, sometimes I get some time by myself and that's very restorative, um, or to go for a hike by myself. Um, but, but how can I be present and delight in my daughter, um, and be intentional about that or my, both my daughters, but when I get time with just one of them, um, on, on a day of rest. And so, um, just a, a reframing for me of Sabbath was really helpful. Um, giving myself permission to play, to laugh, to have fun. You know, I talk about in the book, the um, Desmond Tutu, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, who has navigated so much suffering and trauma and um, the, the reality of the apartheid system in, in South Africa. Um, and yet, if you look at him and watch him talk, and he is so full of joy and of laughter, um, and so just exploring from, I've just spent time exploring God's invitation to joy that God, God offers us joy as strength, um, that even in the face of challenges and the midst of suffering, that we are called to be people of, of joy and of delight um, and to experience God's life and delight in us also helps us delight and, um, and be, be full of love and for other people. Yeah, that is so good. And I love um, that just an example of, you know, we want to be people of laughter and joy. <laughs> like that's what mm-hmm. our our kids are going to appreciate, our families, the people we serve, our communities. Um, but then also we, we feel that inside, like the outward they get experienced, but we get changed by it. And I think, you know, during the pandemic when we have extra time, um, I mean, there's always something to do with kids in the house and the work and there's always something to do. But I took time to learn watercolor painting, which Mm. I always, like I grew up drawing all the time and, but I never took time. And it was like so fun and just relaxing to me and like they do not look like Monet's at all like my my paintings or my pictures but it brought joy and I realized like so much my life I just thought like I have to do the things and do more and serve more but um, God gave me this creative nature that finds joy in this and so really looking and seeing what things bring me joy and some might be like sitting down and playing the piano or you know going on a hike or a jog or things that you said or painting but those things like God put that in us too. And I think really our American society is so much about the to-do list where I have a daughter who lives in Europe and they're not like when the work is done, the work is done. It's more like Mm -hmm. let's go for an evening walk. And I think 
it is our society and to realize like it is only our society in this time in history that, that we mm. think it's the to-do list, um, but that's not how we were created to be. Yeah. I mean, how much t- time off or um, vacation time do do people get in Europe? You know, is it six, eight weeks sometimes? Yeah, yes, some, yes. <laughs> they do. And yeah. like, they have no problem, um, you know, getting done at four o'clock and going home or whatever right. it is. Um, very, very different than yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, it's true. I wasn't giving myself, that was part of my, what led to my burnout. So I wasn't giving myself permission to play and to rest and to enjoy Um goodness in my life, you know, cause it felt like, how could I do that when there's so many people that are suffering? Yeah. And another thing too, they do, at least in the Czech Republic where my daughter lives, when you're sick, you stay home. So even mm-hmm. if you have a cold, if he's like, Oh, I'm stuffed up today. But my, my throat's a little sore. They're like, you better stay home and rest a few days. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what in the world? Our bosses would be like, you better take some cold medicine and get in here. Cause you have to yeah. be here. So it's much more about, um, you know, my daughter, she, she taught at university. She's like, Hey, I didn't go in today. I have a cold. I'm like, are you joking? <laughs> what do you mean? And they're like, no, they, they believe you need to go home and rest so you can heal. So you can come back and, and give your best effort. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just a different mindset. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, this is just our society. And that's helpful to remember. Like mm-hmm. this is totally American mindset and we don't have to be that way. Like we weren't created to be that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's denying that we are, we have needs again. It's denying that we um, are, are human and have to slow down and have bodies that need care and um, that we can't do it all. We can't um, just keep going at a, at a fast pace all the time. Yeah. So good. Okay. Well, again, the book is from burned out to beloved Um, Bethany Dearborn Heiser. Thank you so much for being here. Um, Where can people go to just find more information about you and this book? Yeah, I mean, I have a website, BethanyDearbornHeiser.com, and has information about events and workshops that I'm going to be offering as well. Um, I also am on Instagram and Twitter, and on Facebook, I have a trauma-informed soul care page that people would be welcome to join. I post resources um, on that. So thank you so much, Tricia, for what you are doing as well and the conversations that you are fostering. Oh, thank you. It's been great talking to you. Great talking to you as well. Thank you. Well, if you couldn't tell from our conversation, I really love this book. Again, the title is From Burned Out to Beloved, and I keep it in my little pile of books I refer to during my quiet time. And I was looking through it. I've been reading it, but I was looking through it before um, today's conversation. And I think in the first 20 pages, um, at least half of the sentences are underlined. So if you are someone who is, you know, considered Uh, would consider yourself or maybe never thought about it, but you're realizing that you are a wounded healer, that you're serving and loving and caring for people and you're finding yourself exhausted and tired and hurt and facing that secondary trauma, um, which anytime you, someone experiences trauma and then you know anytime we hear about it or um, see it on television I mean we are experiencing secondary trauma from those things and so we need to be aware of that and I think it is so helpful um, Bethany talking about soul care and giving space to really understand our emotions and giving space to um, you know 
knowing why we're doing what we're doing and taking time to show compassion in ourselves and taking time for laughter and joy. Those are so important. Um, today's Walk It Out verse is Psalm 5110. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. And when I was thinking about that, I really resonated when Bethany said, um, you know, we need to look at our own motivations and why we're doing what we're doing. Do we want to feel better about ourselves? Do we want to feel accomplished? Do we want to feel needed? All of these things. And really that verse created me a clean heart. Um, that is taking our heart that's troubled and worried and burdened and saying, Lord, why am I feeling this way? Why am I feeling like I need to help everyone or serve everyone? And I mentioned in the podcast, I think a lot of mine stem from my poor decisions as a teenager and almost wanting to make up or redeem myself to God um, and to others and to humanity in general. And I think when um, I was doing those things, I was I was loving people and serving people, but I was doing it out of the wrong motivation. And I was overwhelming myself trying to meet those needs and really creating a clean heart is allowing God to say, you don't need to feel that burden. You don't need to feel that shame. You don't need to feel that guilt or that pressure. And once we have our, our hearts right before God, we can still love and serve people. We, you know, I know Bethany and I, neither one of us are sane, um, you know, stop helping people, stop serving. Um, but we will do it with a clean heart, with the right motivations, knowing when it's okay to say yes and allowing uh, our, the ability to say no also. And there has been times in my life when I've said yes and I felt God like later, like uh, just this, not a, a verbal um, voice in my mind, but this knowing that I don't need to be adding that on or I don't need to be doing that thing. And then really... Um, just turning to God again and asking for a clean heart. So that verse, um, Psalm 51, 10, created me a clean heart, O God, renew a loyal spirit within me. So let me just pray for us. Um, first, dear Lord, I just thank you so much for every listener. Um, I thank you for Bethany. I thank you for her willingness to share her heart, her story, the lessons she's learned about self-care and about uh, burnout. Lord, thank you for her starting this conversation and inspiring us to care for our souls. I pray that you'll bless this book and into the hands of those that need it and bless Bethany and her family. Also, Lord, and I pray for each of us whenever we feel those emotions or the compulsion to give and serve to the point of burnout that we will pause, that we will come before you, that we will do that, what Bethany calls a, a, the welcoming prayer, welcoming you into that emotion and asking you to help us understand it. Help us to turn to you. Help us to be with you in that moment. I know the more we do that, Lord, the more you are able to clean our hearts and renew a bright spirit or a loyal spirit within us, a spirit that wants to do the right things for the right reasons and not do too many things with the wrong motivations. Lord, I pray that you'll be with us each today and help us to welcome you into every emotion, into every part of our day, and that we may become uh, men and women who understand that we are beloved instead of ones that are just running towards burnout. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to Walk It Out. I'm so thankful for you. And I did mention um, in the middle of the podcast, I do have a group. If you're interested in writing, in learning about the public, Christian publishing industry, especially, but the publishing industry, if hearing from me, hearing for other authors and editors and agents, um, you can always go to 
writethatbook.club, writethatbook.club. You'll find more information about this group. And I do love to serve. I do love to help other people become writers, but I'm so thankful for the opportunity to do it in one place and invite my friends to join me. There's over 30 other experts who, again, are professionals in the business who help me to serve others. And so I'm thankful for this group. I'm thankful for the friendships that are built. I love seeing people getting their books published and sharing ideas and brainstorming and them understanding the publishing industry. So it's super fun. So if you want more information, you could always go to writethatbook.club. I would love to have you in that group, but also you could always find information, all the show notes, all the links to everything we talk about at the walkitoutpodcast.com. That's just walkitoutpodcast.com. I would love for you to connect with me there. Friend, I pray that you will have a blessed week. Thanks for listening to Walk It Out. Head over to the show notes for this podcast and all past episodes at www.walkitoutpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with someone you know who can make a radical difference in the world. We love new friends. See you next time.